from John Cassian to John Main. We've been exploring different aspects of the monastic tradition of prayer, or the place of meditation in particular, in this monastic tradition. The word tradition, of course, is a dynamic word. It means transmission. It's not a museum where you look at finished works of art, but it's a process in which we are constantly receiving, adapting, and passing on. This is the very nature of the gospel, a transmission of a living word, a living encounter, a living act. So it's in this sense that I'd like to speak about John Main as a, a contemporary figure within this uh, ancient tradition. In the talk on Merton that uh, Stefan gave today, there was a picture of his hermitage in the grounds of Gethsemane Abbey. Thomas Merton died in 1968. In 1976, John Main was invited by the abbot and the monks of Gethsemane Abbey to give some talks to the community. He had returned to London shortly before from a number of years at, as headmaster of St. Anselm's monastic school in Washington, D.C. And he had returned to London, to his monastery at Ealing Abbey, to establish, first of all, a lay community within the monastery of young people, young men at that time, who would live for six months in the monastery, learning to meditate and sharing in the monastic life. That was my point of entry into the monastic life. At that point, we didn't integrate the meditation, the Oratio Pura, with the Opus Dei, with the office, but we would meditate in a separate house where we were living, and then we would walk over to join the monks for the office, for Mass, and for meals, of course. Then we spent the day working in the grounds or elsewhere in the monastery. The monastic world had begun to hear about this, I suppose. He was invited, anyway, by the abbot of Gethsemane, to give some talks to the monks. That was, in a sense, his first public teaching on meditation in the Christian tradition. Those talks were recorded. We published them as a little booklet called The Christian Meditation, The Gethsemane Talks. That still is one of the most useful, simple, and attractive introductions to meditation in the tradition and in the way that he passed it on, transmitted it. After he had given these talks to the monastic community, he spent a few days in Merton's hermitage. And he wrote to a very dear friend of his called Rosie Lovett, and he said, I've just celebrated the most loving mass of my life here in Merton's hermitage. This short few days spent in Merton's hermitage provided him with the experience and the discernment that he needed to make a very important decision, which was to, whether or not to accept an invitation from the Archbishop of Montreal to go there and establish a Benedictine community that would be dedicated essentially to the teaching and the practice of meditation. And it was there in Merton's Hermitage that he came to that decision that he would do this. He came back to England and eventually persuaded the abbot and the community of Ealing to agree to this. So Gethsemane was a, an interesting place if you believe in synchronicity. Merton, who had done so much to open up the Christian mind, 
to its own contemplative tradition, but had not given a specific teaching on prayer that could be translated into the life of the ordinary Christian, or the non-monastic Christian. It was here, nevertheless, that John Main made a very important decision. And by a very strange coincidence, this only hit me a few years ago, in 1990, I was giving a retreat to the monks of Gethsemane, and I spent a few days in the hermitage as well. And it was immediately after that that we had the, the great seminar at New Harmony, Indiana in 1991, at which the World Community for Christian Meditation was formed, was named and given a constitution and a, an organization. So just thinking about tradition as a transmission, the continuity points in a tradition are very significant. So John Main is clearly part of the picture, an important contemporary part of the monastic tradition that we've been exploring this week. He had total conviction about the monastic archetype. This idea that there is a monk within each person is, I think, central to the relevance of monastic tradition, monastic culture, monastic teaching, theology, to the Christian life as a whole. If the monastic life was simply a specialized, eccentric form of life, there wouldn't be the same relevance to other forms of life. But John Main, I think like many others, believe that there is deep within us, there are certain archetypes, certain fundamental, what should we say, orientations of our humanity. One of these could be classified in Jungian terms, perhaps, as an archetype. St. Benedict probably gives the simplest and most powerful definition of this archetype when he says, the monk is one who truly seeks God. So there is something within each of us that truly, not just superficially, not just occasionally, but truly and continually seeks God, wholeness, the source, our origin and our destination. So John Lane had a conviction about the universality of this monastic archetype and the value of monasticism to the modern world. And this grew with time and through his own experience. And I'd like to give you a little overview of his life to humanize uh, some of these ideas. He didn't know he was going to become a monk and he didn't know that his great contribution to the world would be a teaching on this aspect of monastic prayer. He had no illusions about the failures of contemporary monasticism. Like John Cassian and Germanus when they went to Bethlehem and found the life there was not sufficiently deep or helpful in their seeking God, and so they went from there to the Egyptian desert. And as Merton himself, increasingly during his life as a monk, wrote critically, sometimes very, almost very rudely, about the failures of monasticism, monastic life as it was lived. And I think B. Griffiths, after 20 years as a monk in England, went to India to find the other half of his soul, as he said. Now, these monastic figures believed in monasticism, they believed in the universality of the monastic archetype, but they were very clear about the contemporary weaknesses and failures of monastic institutions and of monastic leadership. And John Main 
suffered this as well. He was frustrated with the inertia and the complacency of some aspects of this institutional life and of the complacency, as I said, of a tradition that was too weighed down by its own institutionalism. And I think this is an important characteristic of John Main's vision, and this would apply to those other monastic leaders or prophets I mentioned, is to be able to see the distinction between tradition and institution. None of these were anti-institutional figures. They weren't anarchic. They were monks. They were trained to live in a rather hierarchical and highly organized form of life. It doesn't suit everybody. It drives some people crazy to have to live in a timetable. These figures, and John Main loved the monastic rhythm of life and accepted the, and saw the value of the institutional structures and the, even the hierarchy of obedience and so on, which is not for everybody. But he was frustrated, both by personal temperament as a visionary and as a reformer, with the way the tradition that should be carried by the institution was often weighed down by the institution. Nevertheless, he always believed in it. He believed in keeping the tradition in, or at least organically connected to, the institution. This was why when he did make that decision to leave the comfortable, as it were, institution of his monastery in London and go and start a completely new experiment in Canada at that time, it was very important for him to carry this idea forward within the institution and get the permission of the abbot and the council and it took him a couple of attempts to do that, but he, he was a persuasive individual and he, he carried this idea over, but he carried it over within the institution. 